script flipped on them this past weekend in a frustrating weather-delayed loss to their most bitter rival. Hello everyone, welcome back to Miami Total Football Radio, an inter-Miami focused podcast that will provide you with all the latest news, updates, analysis, inside information, general punditry, and much more. This is the first of two episodes this week given that Inter-Miami has two home games on the schedule, so this will be a jam-packed week. This podcast also goes by the name of... Miami Total Football Radio. <laughs> that was fantastic. The voice you just heard is of one of our fellow co-hosts. Her name is Andrea Yanis, also known as Ajisita as of last week or late last week because she brings a lot of spice and flavor to the show. We also have her fellow cohort and... Her husband, Jose Armando, affectionately known as Island Jose, on the podcast as well for this edition. So, Jose, we'll start with you, even though we heard Andrea's voice first. How are you doing today? I'm doing good, but that's a very Peruvian nickname for Andrea. <laughs> I mean, this, this show is run by a you know Peruvian American. So, by the way. My name is Franco Panizo, and if I sound funny to you, or if I sound, I don't know how I sound, but if I sound funny to you today, it's because the right side of my face is still swollen. I had my wisdom teeth removed, something that I had pending, uh, and yeah, my right cheek is still pretty swollen. So, if I sound funny on this episode, well, that's why. So anyway, Andrea, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, glad to be here, and uh, Franco is the only man or human I- I may say that I know that goes to the beach after having their wisdom teeth <laughs> removed because I was in bed like for <laughs> two days because my extraction went so badly because they were so bad in there. So I couldn't even wake up. So Franco is a superhuman. Maybe he's an X-Men. You, you never know. <laughs> maybe I'm an alien. Maybe that's it. Or maybe that's, he's an alien, but Franco is a superhuman because he went to the beach after having his wisdom teeth removed. I would have been in my bed. Thank you very much. But uh, he had to watch Inter Miami. So, well, I guess he had to keep being entertained. Yeah, wait for that game and, yeah. and all of that. Yeah, you know, I had a I had a friend's birthday thing that was already planned, and I I thought about not going. I was told by other people not to go, but I was like, you know what, man, I need to have some fun. Yolo. I need to have some fun, man. I need to have some fun. It's been a it's been a rough couple of weeks, so I was like, you know what, I'm going. Um, I'll stay under the tent, although I like to get my tan on normally. But I was like, I'll stay under the tent. Um, you know, I'll, I'll drink water and then. At night, I'll go home and I'll watch the Inter-Miami game, which they lost in the latest edition of the Sunshine Classico, El Clásico del Sol, as I like to call it, 1-0 to Orlando City. That is a better name than whatever they call it in MLS. I don't think, they don't have a nickname for it yet in MLS. No. So At least it's not El Tráfico, right? Yeah, so. I mean, I've, <laughs> I've seen other... other uh, nominations or other nicknames that have been thrown out there but that they don't do it for me listen whatever the name of the of the rivalry ends up being it needs to be something that can be said in english and spanish which is why i think sunshine classico and classico del sol works because you're talking about orlando and you're talking about miami and miami obviously as we know very latin infused a lot of latin flavor so it has to be a nickname that can be said in both languages like a, a, a gimmicky nickname like 
el tráfico, which you get in L.A., I mean, I agree. I think that's that's pretty silly. I know Bob Bradley hates it or hated it when he was LAFC head coach. I don't think that works. I don't think that works. Like, it doesn't seem like something that, you know, a gimmicky nickname doesn't seem like something that people in uh, Hispanic people, Latin people, will say in in Spanish. It, it just seems like something that like the American audience would say um, that follows MLS, but not necessarily a Hispanic audience. But anyway, anyway, that's I'm going to continue to call it. El, el, El uh, Sunshine Clásico. So we are going to talk about that game and all that went into it. We'll also preview Wednesday's game against the Philadelphia Union. We'll also talk about Romeo Beckham scoring his first professional goal in a style very similar to that of his father, David. We also have quite a few other things to talk about, including attendance, MLS attendance, and where Inter-Miami stands on there. So before we do all that, please, please give us a follow on all our social media channels. That's Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook, and leave us a review, whether it's on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. If you haven't already, it helps us out tremendously. So Jose and Andrea, are you guys ready? Yes, sir. Let's go. All right. Let's get to it. Okay, so as we mentioned, the latest edition of the Sunshine Clásico, a.k.a. El Clásico del Sol, finished with Inter Miami losing 1-0 to Orlando City. Damian Lowe with the lone goal in this one. Unfortunately for Inter Miami, it was an own goal in stoppage time in the 92nd Minute, and this was the starting lineup that Inter Miami trotted out. It was again that 3 4 3 that we saw the week before against FC Dallas. However, Leonardo Campana and Bryce Duke were back in. So, this was the starting 11. Phil Neville went with Drake Calendar in goal. Damian Lowe, Amema Bika, Christopher McVeigh were the three center backs. The midfield four, if you want to look at it that way. DeAndre Yedlin and Robert Taylor manning the flanks. Gregory and Gene Mota as interior or central midfielders. Then your front three from right to left. Indiana Vasilev, Leonardo Campana, and Bryce Duke. So that formation made for a fairly even game. Inter Miami maybe had the slight better of the chances, at least through the first 50, maybe 60 minutes. Orlando City then started to, to grab control of the game a little bit and then started threatening. I won't say they were overly threatening or, or tested Drake Calendar all that much, but they started to take a little bit more control. So on the balance of play, fairly even, maybe a slight edge to Inter Miami on the road. But a late own goal undoes them and they suffer a defeat that drops them a place in the standings in the Eastern Conference. They are now in 10th place and four points, four points away from the playoff line. So we will start with Jose, your overall analysis on this game. Um, well, you know, I think. Inter-Miami had opportunities early on, and, you know, as we all know, when you're playing on the road, you have opportunities early in the game, and I'm talking specifically about the Indiana play inside the box. Um, obviously a great save by Galese, but still, I mean, if you're able to finish there, then you're setting the tone for the rest of the game. 
um, Inter Miami was not able to capitalize. And 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 honestly, other than the goal by Damian Lowe, um, I I thought the one chance that um, Orlando had in the game um, was that save by Calendar just over the line in the second half. And so. Um, I think I think Inter Miami created opportunities and 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 this might be one of the toughest games to swallow for them because um, they had opportunities early and then in the end and in, in, in at a time they considered known goal. So you know if you think about the the whole thing, the whole game, then you know it's it, it's got it has to be really frustrating for the coaching staff for the players knowing that opportunities within the game. And you were not able to score, and in the end, it's an own goal who takes uh, at least a point away from you. So uh, disappointing for them more than anybody else, I'm sure. Um, but I guess you take out the performance. Although we're getting into a point in the season in which you know it's not going to be enough going home just uh, knowing that you played well. You need points right now if you want to make the playoffs. Andrea, your analysis on this edition of the Sunshine Classic. Well, I agree with Jose. I agree with what he said. I think um, Miami has the same problem they've been having. Uh, they cannot score as many goals. Yep. They cannot score as easily. Uh, they miss some chances, but it's not like they create that lot of chances. Right. Like clear chances to score. Exactly. They don't. And uh, that is a problem. That is the problem they have and we've seen Phil try to experiment with the lineup with the formation a little bit um, a little bit of variation um, it hasn't been working yet maybe with the new additions I think like we talked last week Pozuelo may help because uh, he has an educated foot and then and a clear uh, side at, at, at how to play he's a different type of player so I think maybe he could help to give that maybe pause and tranquility that this team needs uh, a 10, like we've been saying all season. Because you have creative players, you have um, Duke, you have Vasilev, you have Taylor, but they have not wait, been... Wait. Uh, Andrea, you said Vasilev's a creative player, and I disagree with that. He's an attacking player. I don't think he's a creative player. And we will yeah, touch... I mean, we will touch creative what... player in, in attack, I mean, like he's gonna get the ball and assist everyone no see like, no see, i would disagree with you fully and we will dive into the attack the overall attack because we're past the halfway point of the season right now and we should have done this on the last pod but we went long so we will touch on that in our in our final segment just a quick overall analysis of the first half of the year and we will what dive... i'm saying franco is that they need someone that takes command of the midfielder it's not vasilev it's not taylor it's not mota in in attack, I mean. So they need someone. So I guess that is why Pozuelo is 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 of the two buys that they did. Okay, this, but let's let's summer. focus on this game. Let's focus on this game because we we will touch on the overall attack in in a bit and what's ailing this attack, and we'll dive into more of everything you just touched on. But just touching on this game specifically. Again, I thought Inter Miami played a, a hard fought game. I thought they might have been slightly better from the run of play. If they were, it wasn't by much, but <clears throat> slightly better, which on the road, okay, you, you take you take that performance level, but like you said, not a whole lot of clear-cut chances from the team yet again. Yes, they made it very difficult for Orlando City to create, which again, you're away from home, all right, but they didn't create a whole lot. And going back to what Hossa said about Indiana Vasilev, he has the clearest opportunity in this game early on. To give it remind me a one to zero lead, 
And I personally think he over-dribbles, closes down his own angle, and that's why Pedro Alisse is able to make that save. I know they kept saying with his face, but I think it hit him off the chest, off the left part of the chest, and maybe ricocheted off his face before it it went out. But it was a close-range shot. And if you look at the replay, there's a moment, there's a split second where I think Indiana Vasilev could have pulled the trigger sooner. But he takes an extra touch forward. And I think at that point, he completely closed down his angle. Pedro Galicia is now bigger. Indiana Vasilev's angle to to the far post is now narrower. And I think he, he took one second or one movement too many to try to pull the trigger. And that, that goes out for a corner kick. Inter Miami doesn't get the goal. And you go back to the FC Dallas game really quickly. The game before that. Because this this play against Orlando City comes off of a bad back pass that Vasilev intercepts. Against FC Dallas, I forget what minute it was. I don't know if it was in the second, third, or fourth minute. Vasilev intercepts uh, or takes the ball away from Matt Hedges, if I'm not mistaken. High up the field. And it's two on one. He's got Ariel Lasseter you know, blasting down his left side. And he's got, you know, Vasilev has a central defender in front of him. All he has to do is lay it off to Lasseter. And Lasseter is through on goal for a left-footed effort that you can't guarantee will end up in a goal, but high chances are that it would. And Vasilev takes too long there. He hesitates, doesn't pass the ball. I think, again, he over-dribbles, and then he decides to shoot instead of pass, and that gets blocked out, and the chance goes out for a corner kick, if I'm not mistaken. So, look, Vasilev was the hero not too long ago against Minnesota United. He came off the bench, scored two goals. But for me, and I said this before that game, before the Minnesota United game, I don't know if you guys remember, but and I was saying that Vasilev needed to step up. He needs to do more. Because up until that point, he hadn't scored a goal, and he doesn't have an assist on the season, which is still true to now. He has nine games played, six games started, two goals, both of those against Minnesota United after coming off the bench late on, and zero assists. And since he's joined Inter Miami... He has five goals in 30 appearances with zero assists. That's why when you said earlier, Andrea, that you thought he was a creative player, I had to, I had to, I pick, I picked a bone with that because he's not, he's not someone that sets up like, and that, and that's something I think is a problem no, with this team. But he is not, he that is not his responsibility because th- th- the thing is that Indiana Vasilev is not a midfielder. He is, he's not his responsibility. But he's a winger. But he's a winger. But I, no, 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 no. I know, Andrea. A, Andrea, the wingers on this team have to assist. Franco. That's he's fine. The wing, Andrea. Striker. What's the what's the so function the of a winger? Here, Andrea, is el función de un extremo? What is the function? What are the roles and responsibilities of a winger? He, he, they need to attack. They need to they score have to goals. attack. They have to go. They have to round their defender and either whip in crosses or score goals. And Vasilev has two in nine games. That's not a great haul. And he has no assists in 30 games dating back to last year. So that's not that's not a good return for a winger. And that, again, I think he over dribbles. I think, you know, he he dribbles himself into into corners where he, he instead of just passing and moving the ball, he he tends to just be very uh individual, very individual at times. And look, he's a hard worker, he runs hard, he puts in a lot of the dirty work that I'm sure Phil Neville and the coaching staff love defensively, but in the attack well, there's a reason why he's been on loan for the last two years from from uh, the EPL because he's not he doesn't have that quality in abundance in the final third, at least not until this point in his career. So 
Look, I'm not going to put the blame on him. He did also, though, miss a decent-looking chance at the top of the 18 early on in the second half, one of Inter-Miami's last good chances. If he had put down, if he had put away either of those, Inter-Miami's up 1-0. We're talking about a different, different game because now Orlando City has to open up more. That plays to Inter-Miami's desire to want to counterattack. So... You know, but you it, can say that about Taylor. You can say about that but it, about But in Duke. this game, it was Vasilev. In this game, it was Vasilev. But in this game, it was Vasilev. We're not. Ta- I'm not talking about the entire season. It's not. It's not. I'm not putting the all the attacking woes on Indiana Vasilev. But in this game, he didn't come through. He did not come through when he needed to because again, he had the mo- the more dangerous chances. Now, yes, other players have to step up and start creating more. But again, we will get to that in a second. Let's go to. We talked about the goals that weren't scored. Let's talk about the one that was scored. And that comes off Damian Lowe. He tries to clear across from the right late on. It's a botched clearance. Drake Calder also had come out for it to try to collect it. It ricochets off the underside of the crossbar and goes in. So a bit of misfortune for Inter Miami to lose late on. But I think there were several factors and several things that played a part in the goal i will start with jose asking him what he thought about the goal while also noting that phil neville after the game when i asked chalked it up to lack of communication mental and physical fatigue and just you know one of those plays that can happen in football which it's true a play like this can happen in football but i'm always of the uh analytical type I like to try to find out reasons why it happened. I have my my thoughts, but we'll start with Jose. What did you think of the goal? Well, I do agree with Phil. I think I think that's a play we have seen before, you know, around the world. But yeah, if you want to go into it and 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 check what happened exactly, uh, well, it all starts with the cross coming in. I mean, um, was there enough pressure? On, 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 so on that, the so that's that's where it is, Jose. Sorry, sorry to, to cut you off there, but that's where that's where it is because not necessarily. De- no, 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 because DeAndre Yedlin on the on the play that initiates Orlando City's attacking sequence. Right, he has the ball. He wins the ball in Inter Miami's defensive third, defensive fourth, however, cuarto de cancha, however you want to look at it. And he has the ball, and he tries to kick it upfield. I don't know if to Campana, but he tries to send it upfield to an Inter Miami player. But he slips and falls as he does so and sends the ball out of bounds for an Orlando City throw-in. DeAndre Yedlin then gets stretched by teammates because he was cramping up. He, he was That's why he kicked the ball out of bounds. Because he, and he didn't do it intentionally, but the cramp happened as he was trying to hurl the ball upfield, and he goes down to the ground. He gets stretched out. He tries to resume. The cameras are on him, and you can see that he's still struggling, that he's not... It's not like one of those moments where a player gets stretched out and they're still, okay, now they're back to being able to run. You can still see him cojeando, limping, as we say in English. And then Orlando City takes a throw-in. They move the ball from left to right. Then they come back through the midfield from right to left. Out to his side. To his very, very side. And he, you can see it on the play. And if you guys... You know, want to see it again? Look it up on YouTube. Look it up on Miami Total Football. Look it up on Instagram, Twitter, wherever you guys want to do. You can see that Yedlin physically is unable to close down the cross because he can't move. He, you can clearly see that he's favoring his uh, his right leg because his left leg is is still cramping. 
And even when the cross comes in, he does like a half-hearted jump because he just physically couldn't do it. And then obviously you get the aftermath, which is uh, a poor deflection, lack of communication, a bit of misfortune with the crossbar, and the ball goes in. That's but, not sorry, That's not the problem. That's, I, that's absolutely the part problem. Of the sequence, but that's not the problem. The problem is the communication between Drake Callender and that Dave is the problem. No, no, no. That is the problem. If the cross doesn't come, if the cross doesn't come in, if the cross doesn't come in, then that, that, that doesn't that, matter. No, no, no. Franco, the, the problem is that communication because if Drake Callender was in command, then Damian Lowe wouldn't feel like he has to go and get the ball. He would have. Nobody. I don't. Was, I don't. Around. I, I mean, it was a. It, it was. I don't know if he he didn't hear him or what, but I agree that that's a problem. He had to go. I agree that that's a problem. I agree that's part of the breakdown, one of many many steps in the breakdown that leads to the goal. But that's not that's not the original one. The original one is the cross because there's no there's no challenger on the cross, and you guys know very well. And in football, give a player time and space. Okay, then that player will probably, if he has any amount of quality, will probably harm you or will probably help make a, a dangerous play because that's that's the difference between uh, higher levels and lower levels, the time and space you have. And and the crosser had all day and time, nobody on him, nobody pressuring him to whip in the cross. And that's where the that's where yeah. the goal is birthed. That's ahí nace el gol. Ahí nace el gol. Then there's other mistakes, there's other errors, absolutely. There's no guarantee that if you have a fresh player playing as a right back and you took out Yetlin before, that he's going to be right there to put the coverage or that, uh, or that um, you know, the Orlando City player is not going to be able to... Jose, watch the goal again. Watch the goal again. Watch the goal again. I think, watch I the think goal again. What, what it comes... I'm sure he has a lot of room. He had, what, he had room yeah, to he, cross in, but in, in the end... Luck. It's bad luck. It's bad communication. Again, I agree with that. I agree that there's bad communication. And I tweeted that out on Sunday. I was like, there's there's multiple things that go down. Like there is in almost every goal. There's multiple things that go wrong. Multiple breakdowns. But the first one is the cross coming in with little to no pressure. Because Inter Miami was out of subs. Inter Miami was out of subs. So they couldn't sub Yedlin out. But for me, for me... I would have, listen, if Yedlin's cramping and he's clearly physically not able to go, and I know he tried to tough it out, and I know Inter Miami wanted to stay with 11 men, but if he's not able to go, and it's the 92nd minute, and you're Inter Miami, and you're trying to hold on for a road point, you're not, it's not like they were attacking in abundance at that point in the game, they were clearly just trying to get the draw, get, you know, take it, have the medical staff take him off to the side, and drop Indiana Vassilov, because Inter Miami was out of substitution windows in this game. They had already used their three windows. Drop Indiana Vassilov to right back and just try to close the game out. Phil Neville said it recently. If you if uh, if we are not going to win these games, let's not lose them. And they lost it. They lost it in the 92nd minute off of, again, it's it's bad luck. It's bad communication. It, it just happened to happen on the, on, on the flank where DeAndre Yedlin pulled, you know, had a cramp, suffered a cramp. But that needed that needed better management in the moment. That needed better management because he's physically unable to go. And listen, DeAndre Yedlin, if he's not cramping with the speed he has, I'm not saying he's going to block the cross, but he can at least put pressure and let the cross not be as clean, maybe weaker, maybe overhit, whatever it is. He he, he definitely puts pressure. The same because Damian Lowe would have tried to to. But maybe the cross isn't the same, Andre. Maybe the, maybe the, maybe the, cro- maybe the cro- maybe the cross doesn't come in as cleanly or doesn't come in as far, or maybe DeAndre gets a piece of it. You yeah. have to, to look at it this way. In that moment, Damian Lowe is trying everything for the game not to, for them not to score a goal. 
and uh, they didn't communicate. They don't have great communication, I guess, because the, uh, Damian Lowe felt like he had to 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 clear the ball. I thought Damian Lowe had a good game. You, I thought Damian Lowe had a good game up until then. But listen, guys, um, it, it's a collective effort, right? So if I make if I mistake. It all starts with a mistake, right? Because, you know, it, it doesn't matter who it is. Defensively, somebody needed to be in front of the ball. Absolutely. 100%. 100%. It's not, not going to be the last time that something like this is going to happen. So, um, as, bad as, luck. as a team, you have it's to bad be luck ready for, sure. for, for something like that to happen. So, it does happen. So, what do you do next? What are the fundamentals? Communication inside the box. Who's going to go for that ball? Who's going to clear it away? We need to back up Yetlin because he's tired. The ball is coming in. It's not a good cross. Um, there's not a lot of uh, um, Orlando City players around the ball. There's two Inter-Miami players around the ball. So we need to have better communication. Calendar needs to yell. Damian Lowe needs to listen. And plays over. It's 0-0. We go home with one point. But, I mean, it's to me, it's very clear. To me, it's very clear. Um, it didn't happen that way. Maybe Drake Callender and and Damian Lowe were the players that needed to be um, speaking about what happened exactly in, in that play, and maybe they would give us a clear idea of. I'm sure Damian Lowe didn't listen to the goalkeeper, and yeah. I would be really surprised if Drake Callender didn't yell at him before, because he make he Drake Callender steps up, up, uh huh, yeah, played on the ball, and I'm assuming if as a goalkeeper, if you do that, it means that you are trying to let your center back know it's my ball. I'm going. And, you know, maybe they don't have that chemistry yet. No, I wouldn't go that far. I wouldn't go that I, far. I, I, would, I would say it's more – I would say it's probably uh, – It's because Damian Lowe felt he needed to – Yeah, to I, I would say it's ball, that. I would say it's that. I would it's say that. it's more Damian Lowe – and listen, I thought, that, again, Damian Lowe had a good game. Uh, you know, he you could tell from his reaction that he was mortified by the fact that he scored an own goal. Uh, that laid on and cost the team points. You could see it in his instant reaction. You could see it at the full-time whistle. Phil Neville, after the game, said in his post-game press conference that <clears throat> Damian Lowe was devastated and crushed inside the locker room. I thought he had a good game up until then. It's, you know, yes, the own goal is is on him. But if Inter-Miami manages the game better or if they score the goals that they should have scored at the other end, this is not on him. So... Yes, he shouldered some responsibility for the loss, but I can't just put it on him. That said, I agree with Andrea that I think because of who he is in this team, because of who he is in that back line, he he's the the number one center back on this team. And he constantly has to put out fires and is constantly asked yeah. to do so and he constantly does so. So I think he felt, especially, you know, this game was delayed. Something we we forgot I forgot to mention there in the in the in the quick recap is this game was delayed 2 hours or so because of inclement weather so we're talking this game was almost at midnight if not at midnight so it's late into the night i don't know if that's an excuse or not but just just something to note but regardless i think he felt like he had to make a play on the ball like he just needed to because that's what his responsibility on this team is as the well, as the veteran leader on the back line and uh, whether i don't know we won't know we won't know trust sure what we, He's good. He said veterans need to know when to trust. And I agree with you. I, you know, if, if we, but you can't, we can't know for sure if Drake Callender screamed at him or not. We can assume that he did because he came off his line. Um, that, I think that is what, that is what I was saying with, with the chemistry thing. Maybe I could uh, explain it a little bit better, but it's, 
It's because I think Drake Callender is that experience of a goalkeeper. He could have not yelled. We don't we don't know what happened between them. We don't know if he yelled or what. But what I can see is that Damian Long felt like he had right. since he's the leader of the of the defense, the leader of like of, he had to make of, the play. That part of the team. Like he had to make he the play. He had to go because yeah. he had to uh, avoid uh, Orlando scoring a goal, and that is what what the conclusion that I get. And right. maybe oh, I I say uh, there's not much chemistry yet because Drake Callender plays until now this, to this season, and they didn't know each other before. Maybe there there is still uh, some uh, defenders have even uh, a sign or something like that that the goalkeeper doesn't scream, and just a sign or a movement, and the defender knows how to do it. But since this is Inter Miami, Damian Lowe needed needed to clear the ball whatever it took i I've, i agree with you and I, but i also agree with jose that they, they have to be on on better pages they're not you know it could be the 92nd minute there can be a two-hour weather delay but you can't have those mental lapses now again there's there's misfortune there there's bad luck for inter miami there with yedlin cramping and the ball going exactly to his flank as uh, as he's cramping because if that ball goes to the left and and it comes in from that flank then maybe you know it's not as clean of a cross and we're not talking about an unfortunate own goal for Inter Miami and you know the ball also kisses the underside of the crossbar and goes in it could have easily just gone out so there's some bad luck there for Inter Miami no doubt but I agree with well I agree with you Andrea that that I think uh, Damian Lowe felt the responsibility was on him to clear that ball late on and, and make sure that there's no goal I also agree with Jose that. They needed to communicate better, and, and you know whether that's that's having more trust in the goalkeeper. If the goalkeeper saying it's his, letting him have it, um, and and you not necessarily trying to be the hero. And I think, look, I don't, I don't say, I'm not trying to say this in a malicious way or in a negative way, but I do think that Lowe thought he had to be the guy in that moment. Like the responsibility was on him, so he he went for the the the, the clearance, even if it was an awkward one, as opposed to maybe letting Calendar take care of it, and, and either push it away, catch it, punch it away, whatever he had to do. But in the and end, listen, it, co- we, it we... cost Inter Miami a point on the road, a valuable point because it dropped them again into 10th place. So Yeah, and this happens a lot. I've this weekend like three times already in, in other leagues that are playing in Mexico. I've seen it in the women's championship. So it happens to defenders. These things are, yes, it's an error, a, a misfortune, and all of that. But it's very common. It is common. It's That's why common. it's a football play. It's a, it, yeah. it happens. But the re, like we're diving into the details of why it happened, uh, yeah. because obviously you know it's not something you want yeah, to you want the, to repeat. It, it, the bad luck here is obviously the play, but also that it was at the ninety second minute, right. so it, it didn't give Inter, Inter Miami a chance to to come back from that. Right. So that it, was the the worst part. And we and we analyze it because it's something that inter Miami. There are things that could have been done, could have been done better. Whether it's communication, whether it's low not going for the ball, whether it's you know having Vasilev drop into Yedlin's fullback spot. There's things that could have been done better there, and that's something inter Miami will will look at. And and yes, it's a soccer play, it's a football play, it can happen, but there are ways to try to to prevent them. Now, quickly to before we switch gears to the overall attack, the three four three formation. Inter Miami came out in it again. I said it on the last pod that I thought there were enough signs against FC Dallas, enough positive signs where I thought Phil Neville and the staff could go back to it again. It's a 3-4-3 because the wingbacks are a little bit more advanced, although at times they still drop back and play with a back five. So you can call it what you want, whether it's a back five or a back three. What have you guys thought about that formation overall? Jose. Well, 
I think it worked in the sense that um, you were able to create opportunities. But um, I think it all comes down to um, if you're able to score on those opportunities, then it really, really worked, right? Because, um, yeah, you had chances. I think, you know, Campana had a, a, Campana had a shot as well, a header. Um, in the first half, was, yeah, he, he, but he never, it, he never directs it on frame. Yeah, so, but, but my point is that, you know, you're able to connect with him, which is the main goal here, right? For Inter-Miami, they worked, they work offensively just trying to connect with Campana because they know Campana will score on, on opportunities he gets inside the box. Or, or at least you're getting closer to scoring if Campana is able to take a shot. Whether it's on goal or not, you want to connect with him as much as possible. And so they did it once in the first half. Um, so I would say um, on the road, overall, I think it did work, the formation. Because in the end, uh, as well, defensively, Orlando... It didn't have a lot of chances. So overall, as a whole, I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't come out here and criticize the formation. So you like the formation. You, th yeah. you think they should stick with it in, I don't know, future home games, but future road games. Yeah. Yeah, I would stick with it in road games. Now, at home, it's a little bit different because I think you need to be a little bit more aggressive. Uh, um, Inter-Miami has been able to win some games at, at home this year which is something that didn't happen early. Um, and I think they need to continue that trend if, if they, if they want to have a shot at the playoffs. Because um, if you get one out of six in two road games and then you come home and you get four or you get one, then, you know, it's, it's not going to add up for them. So at home, yeah, you can be a little bit more aggressive, a little bit more dynamic with your starting lineup. But on the road, since they struggle a lot, and, and they cannot score, I think they need to find that balance. And they did it against Orlando. Just unfortunately, it didn't go um, their way in the end. Andrea, what do you think of the 3-4-3 formation? Do you like it? I agree. Not? I agree with what Jose is saying that, and we were talking about it a couple of weeks ago in the podcast. That Phil needed to to vary to change some things when he plays uh, away games. And I think maybe this could he could build on this on this formation and what I was talking at the beginning that with the arrival of Pozuelo that could help also uh, not only in home games but in away games because we saw against Orlando they created a lot of chances they created a lot of games but they are still missing that equilibrium that a player like Pozuelo could bring to the team so um, overall I think that in the future it could help and um, also, you have to see against which teams you are playing to 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 implement this 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 formation. But I, I I've really been liking, like I've said, uh, Phil reading the games this this last couple of games. He's been reading the game differently and trying some new stuff, some new formation, some new tactics. So maybe it could work. It could work. And in in listening in this in this moment that uh, we're we're entering the second half of the season, it's important to experiment and to for for his job, not also for the team, but for his job, for for the management to see that he's trying to build something. If things weren't working before, he's trying to build something and trying to get new ideas and and, and new formations, new tactics 
to to better the team to to fight for that playoff spot. So I will say this on the formation. I'd say two things, and I think you guys will probably nod your heads in agreement. I think that there's enough. There are enough positive signs for Phil Neville and his staff that they'll stick with it for away games, or at least the next away game. You know, they'll they'll continue to to use it. They think you know. I think that they'll like what they saw because. Defensively, they did not give up a whole lot. Even though they lost this game, they did not give up a whole lot. Orlando City only had one shot on target in the 90-plus minutes. My opinion, though, yes, it makes you difficult to break down, but yet you still don't have a whole lot in the attack. And I get it. You're putting the onus on being tough to play, be, to, to play against, tough to to give up chances against, but you're still not creating enough. And yes, Vasilev had one early on, but again, it came off of an errant back pass. It wasn't because Inter Miami created this this wonderful moment through the run of play on their own. Inter Miami finished this game with that one shot on target. It came in the sixth minute. They didn't have another shot on target the rest of the way. They finished with more shots. They had 10 to Orlando's eight, but none on target. So they didn't create any clear-cut quality chances. And... They did not put any away. And in the 3-4-3, you go back to the Dallas game, which is when they, they debuted this look with Robert Taylor as, as the left wing back, Edlin as the right. That game, Inter Miami steals it, steals a point late. You know, they get a goal from Campana, a header from close range after some brilliant individual dribbling from Robert Taylor on the right. <clears throat> when the fin finish uh when the Finnish national team player was was deployed as a right winger. And if I'm Inter Miami, or if I'm Phil Noble and the staff, yes, I get it. They want to be defensive-minded. They want to they want to try to keep that zero at the back and try to be effective, effectivos at the other end and put, you know, uh, one chance away and try to take, take the three points away from home that way. Well, I don't necessarily agree with that approach because this team needs chances to score goals. This team needs more than just one shot on goal. They don't have ruthless enough finishers on this team. Campana is the only one on this team that that consistently has found the back of the net. The other players, they don't put the ball in the back of the net on a frequent basis. They need multiple looks. They need chances. That's just how it is until they get more lethal or clinical or more creative players onto the field. So 3-4-3, I I imagine Inter Miami will stick with it. It has given them positive signs defensively. But I think it doesn't do enough to help an attack that needs as much help as possible because they just don't have the finishers. If you don't have the finishers, then you're going to need more chances to put the ball into the back of the net. And when when you try to rely on just being efficient, excuse me, effective or, or clinical or, or ruthless to use Phil Neville's word, something he's he's said repeatedly throughout the past two years, well, then you're putting yourself, I think, in... Uh, you're giving yourself a recipe that's not set up for success because they just Franco, don't have the finishers. I think with the 10, it, it, it when would, comes, yeah, it it'll change. It'll change. Less, it, it will bring less of a burden for the wingers to assist. To Sure, but then, of, but then we're not talking about a 3-4-3 necessarily. When Pozuelo's yeah, in there, yeah. we, the formation might change completely because now you have a true 10. They might not play this. I, I'm saying with the group that they have now, because Pozuelo, as last we heard from Phil Neville, uh, at the early week availability on Monday is that Pozuelo might not be ready until the FC Cincinnati game because of visa 
issues or you know visa visa the red tape that they have to go through with the visa so but i'm saying with this group with this group he will take off that responsibility of that the wingers have ariel lassiter vasilev robert taylor whoever plays they won't have that sole responsibility now and they could concentrate on just getting goals on helping campana and helping the team in in other ways like True wingers do. Right, but, but, but this right game... Right now, Inter-Miami doesn't have that. Exactly, Duke, so that's why. Duke has this has been game. a good addition, but he is still young, so he, he isn't ready for that. the big responsibility of creating all the chances for the wingers, for the strikers. But when you get Pozuelo, you get a player that has already done it in the league. So maybe I think that coaching staff and field are looking at that for the future. That is a player that could help them implement this uh, this kind of lineup for away games and make them a little bit more strong and make their wingers a little bit more strong. So hopefully that happens. I think if Pozuelo gets into the mix, I don't think they, they go with the 3-4-3. Three, three, or if they do, they'll get away from it very quickly because it won't play to his strengths. Again, if you're looking to be a more attack-minded team, then, like, you know, you got to play to the player's strengths. So if Pozuelo's a 10, 3-4-3, where is he going to play? He's going to play out on the wing. Is he going to play as one of the two central midfielders? I, I think they'll they'll go away from this. But I'm talking about with this group right now, with, with you know, just what you see on the field and what we've seen for 18 games now, they're one of the fewest scoring teams in, in the league. I think they're tied for last place. I'd have to check my tweet again, but I'm pretty sure they're tied for last in the league right now in terms of in terms of goals. So I know I, we've talked about it, right? Phil Neville stresses the defense. He, he puts the priority on the defense first. And you can see that in the numbers. They don't score a whole lot. They need more chances. The players that are on the field as of right now, they need more chances if they're going to score more goals. That's just it's just what it is. Now, will that leave you a little bit more exposed? Like like Jose said last week, that come does that come with a risk? Yes, absolutely. But right now, with this group as is right now today, what's 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 uh, what's being implemented is not enough. It's not enough. But anyway, let's move on because we have a couple more things to talk about before we close out this segment, and we're going to touch on these very very quickly. There's three more things to talk about. They have two games this week against the Philadelphia Union and against Charlotte FC. Play on Wednesday, then again on Saturday. So very quick turnaround for Inter-Miami. We will have a pod later in the week to more thoroughly look at the Charlotte game and react to the to the result against the Philadelphia Union. But quickly, starting with Andrea. How many points? Obviously, Inter-Miami is going to gun for six. How many points do you think Inter-Miami gets this week with these two home games? Being realistic, two. So you think they tie both? They tie both. Okay. Being uh, being hopeful, four. <laughs> no, being... you, no, I, you, no, no, you can't give me three answers. You have to give me one answer. That's not that's cheating. That's like oh well, you know they could get four. Being realistic be t- and po- let let me frame it this way: being realistically positive, positive, realistic, two points. Being um, no, that's it. That's it. No more. No more. No more. Jose, Jose. 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 Give me. Give me. How many points does Inter Miami get this week? Um, I say they get three points. I say three. I I I say three as well. I think they come against Charlotte too. I don't think that they. I think Philadelphia is 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 a task too difficult for for Inter Miami. Has to be noted, Julian Carranza, who's on loan at Philadelphia, he cannot play in this game because of MLS rules, which stipulate if you're on loan from. Your, you know, your your parent club, your parent team. You can't play against them whenever you're on loan team or you know the loanee team plays 
against them. I don't know if I phrased that correctly, but I think I think you get it. He just can't play for the Union when they play against Inter Miami because he's on loan from Inter Miami. So uh, I, I wonder play. if that applies just to the league or like if they played it in the Concacaf Champions League, he couldn't play either. I think that's just an MLS rule. I don't think that they could yeah. enforce that in Champions League. But that I mean that's that's a different subject for another day or a different br- bridge to cross because Inter Miami is not in Champions League. <laughs> Uh, so Jose and I, being a Jose and I, freedom to dream, Andrea, freedom to dream. Jose and I agree three points. Andrea says two. Okay, so if I win, I deserve all, all the listeners. You have to support me. If I, um, if I, I'm gonna support you if you and if you say two points and we say three points. <laughs> well, at least that. Well, let's hey, see. it would be a good. It'd be a good prediction from Andrea to get two. If she pick, if she gets, she picks two yeah. and they get two. I deserve a prize. Yeah, yeah. well, we'll give I you a, a, a hand of applause or uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> that, that's how you say it, right? I, I get my, my phrase confused sometimes. Um, no, it, it's gonna be hard. A round of applause against round Philadelphia. Applause. It's gonna be a little bit hard. They come from scoring seven goals. They are in in yeah, form team. They are they are a good team. Uh, but it's like you, United though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What? They're coming. That's what she said. They're going coming with a lot of confidence. I have hundred yeah, percent. But DC, the DC United is horrible. It was. They're, they're horrible. gonna. They're hiring they're Wayne miss. Rooney, by the way. They're hiring Wayne Rooney. Yeah, they're hiring Rooney. They're gonna, but Garranza is not playing, and also Alejandro Bedoya, who's one of their most important players, was in the White House yesterday. So I guess he's traveling to Miami today. He's gonna be tired. Maybe that that has uh, an impact in the game because also he is older. Uh, but he'll be he'll be motivated though. He'll have family in attendance. I'm, yeah, I'm 100% he, that is sure the thing. He's he's from here. That he won't affect him. And Philadelphia, listen, they are a good team. It's going to be hard for Inter Miami, especially after that disappointing loss and after and with all the calendar that they have for this week. Um, we saw Yellen tired. Uh, we have we saw him. We saw other players that are tired. Damian Lowe, uh, Mavica, McVeigh was very tired after Orlando. So let's see, let's see what what the what the team does. I I think maybe Phil. Will realize it. he said it in the availability yesterday on Monday that well you see we we may see Gonzalo because that is what the, he needs he needs to be realistic which of these two games he can get most points from it's the game on Saturday so I think we're gonna see a, a variation of the lineup for tomorrow I don't I don't think yeah, I don't think we'll see I think we'll see a different formation I don't think we're going to see much of a different lineup I, and I don't uh, but we didn't mention that Gonzalo Higuain did not travel. To Orlando this past weekend because he had he was dealing with a non-COVID uh, related illness, so he was dealing with a cold, is what we were told. We're gonna see okay. tomorrow. I think Gonzalo Emerson are getting no, chances. I don't see. I don't see Gonzalo. I don't see Gonzalo starting. I don't see. Him starting. Uh, uh, listen, listen. We were into the point in the season in which they are tired. They are. Those are not excuses anymore because you have to get points. I yeah. mean, yeah. every single game, every single game, because of how much they struggled early on, uh, you're into you're back against the wall already. And, and then they don't have Lassiter still. Right, so Lassiter suppo- is, is still expected to be out. He wasn't at training on Monday. He's still expected to miss this game. Breck Shea also not expected to be available. Yeah, they don't have – it's not about the excuses about saying. It's that they don't have a deep roster. So I think what, what helps you... them though. What helps them though is that Carranza, who's coming off a hat trick and who is who was named the MLS Player of the Week 
or he was voted the MLS Player play, of the Week, yeah. he will not play. And they don't really have but that, another. Well, but they, but that, but so that that takes away their number one striking option. So that that now they have to get now they have to get creative because they they got rid of their other first choice strikers earlier this year. I fully expect but they Philadelphia. don't have the problem that Inter Miami has. Oh, absolutely. Bedoya also scored. And I, absolutely, absolutely. They, I mean, of course, listen, again, I, like I said before, I think they have a better chance to win against Charlotte than against Philadelphia. I, you know, I think Philadelphia will, will come out on top in this one. But that said, if they don't have their number one option at the number nine position, that's obviously a big loss for them, especially since the next next man up for the union isn't anywhere near that that level. And, and Philadelphia likes to play with two strikers. So yeah. it's it's a it's a significant loss for them and that, that will I think hurt them a bit, but not enough to the point where where they can't beat Inter come Miami. Where they can't listen come on, come on. Let's put the break of the Juli Carranza MVP train. And who said who said MVP? Who said MVP? No one said MVP. It's not a big blow. They're a good team. They're good. Yeah, yeah that is what They're I was like going to say. They're good. They, how many goals has Garranza scored in the season? Seven. He scored three against DC United. So before that, he had four goals. Are you telling me that the Philadelphia he's still, look, he's was, done. He's done well enough because it's not all about goals. Well, goals. It's, Listen, I, Philadelphia Jose, Jose, is one of those teams in the Jose. league that you can call a team, like Jose. a real team, yeah, like absolutely. Seattle, Philadelphia, Agreed. and that they can go and play Agreed. even in, in Central America and not be faced with the public with that because they are a team. They have a good coach and they are a team. Absolutely. Agreed with that. But let's 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 not uh, let's to, to address Jose's point again. <laughs> Car- Car- it's not all about goals with a striker these days. You know that, right? Like obviously that's the main the main responsibility, the main role that they have. But that's not all they get asked to do. And in Philadelphia, and something Phil Neville touched on on Monday, you know, it might be a match made in heaven for Julian Carranza because of his ability to to press and and the work rate he can give you and how he fits their system. Think about think about this. Philadelphia Union, yes, you know, he only had four goals before this hat trick. That's fine. But the Philadelphia Union this year traded away Casper Shabilko, who was one of their first choice number nines. They also traded away Santos to FC Cincinnati. So they've seen enough in Carranza to be like, all right, we're going to ride his hand to the end of the year. And they'll probably trigger his buy option if he continues to score anywhere near at the same clip. Anywhere near at the same clip. I imagine that they that they take that loan option up because clearly they are liking what they're seeing from him. And that was even before the hat trick. Again, Shabuko's so, gone. Sergio, Sergio Santos is gone. So You're telling me that Jim Curtin is going to be fine trading away strikers and leaving the one option in Julian Carranza and they don't care about about having nobody else to score goals. Well, they're going. I mean, they're going to look for other strikers too. They play with two, of course. But what I'm saying is that it's not that big a blow for them if Carranza is not playing. I mean, is it a blow? Yes or no? Okay, is it a blow? Bedoya yes or no? Is it a blow? Yes or no? Bedo- it's, better, better. it's a blow for both of you. It's a blow. Okay. Worse so it's a blow. If Bedoya, okay. if Bedoya was missing because okay. he assists, how many goals has All he I said is it's a blow. All I said is it's a blow. I never said it's like oh, it's this massive. I said I still think no, that I still think and, Philadelphia wins. I still think I said and, that. And that's think the Philadelphia conversation wins. because he he scored a hat trick and they demolished DC United seven zero. That doesn't happen a lot in this league. Bedoya is not a big deal as well. So Inter Miami is going to win, Jose. 
No, they're not. That gonna... is what you're saying. That what is what saying. I think I think Host is saying just that Philadelphia as a team functions well as a team. Yeah. Which I yeah. get. Yeah. I agree with. Yeah. I agree we with ha- all we have I said. said that already. All yeah. I'm saying is that I think it's a loss for them not to have Carranza on the field on Wednesday. That's all I'm saying. It's a loss. Now, does it mean that they, it's such a big loss that they can't overcome it? I expect them to very well overcome it and to probably take. Well, I, I think they're going to take away three points. So anyway, uh, okay. with the lineup of Inter Miami, I wanted to say end up saying I think we're going to see Gonzalo. We're going to see. Emerson, I don't we're think we're we'll gonna see maybe Sado. see Victor Ulloa. Uh, I think we're gonna see some changes tomorrow. I don't, I, no way, there we go. Jose, well, wow, Jose with the 180 was saying from going earlier in the season a couple of months ago, saying Gonzalo's gonna get back into the lineup, this and that. Yeah, I know you, I know you recognized your, the error of your ways yeah. on the last pod late last week, but wow, he's like, no way, there's That's Gonzalo's. The <laughs> That's the key. Yeah. You drank it's, Franco's um, Kool-Aid, Jose. M- no, oh, Gonzalo's Emerson, not coming in. Yeah. Gonzalo's not coming in. Gonzalo's not starting. Yeah. Emerson and New York. Gonzalo will start against Barcelona. Guys. Gonzalo will start against Barcelona and relive his his Real Madrid days. But he's not starting against against Philadelphia. No chance. And uh, by the way, we didn't touch on this, and I will close out on this: is Emerson Rodriguez because he came off the bench against Orlando City. And Phil Neville afterwards talked about, you know, the growth that he still has to do, that, you know, he there's a lot of promise there, but they still have to work on some things. I think he is a candidate to maybe start on Wednesday, but I think it could be one of his last chances to start this year because he's not showing a whole lot. He's not showing a whole lot. Jose, do you think Emerson gets a start on Wednesday? Mm, doubt it. I don't think he'll start. Listen, uh, Jose, Robert Taylor Vasilev will not play four games in a week. Yeah, they he has play. to start tomorrow. They have they, the least chances against Philadelphia. But I do agree. Yeah, that's a good point. Phil Melville did a, say somewhat recently also that, you know, he's going to be a starter soon. So I have to imagine some point in July. But some he point, said that like, what, like three weeks ago? Yeah, two or three weeks old. But I imagine that, that when he said that it was that at some point in July, in this crowded schedule, they're going to give him a start and they're going to try to give him a chance. Because right now he's listen, been mostly off the bench. It's unfair because Philadelphia is going to win probably. It's not unfair, uh, Andrea. You have to step up and deliver yes, when your numbers come. No, see, it's no, unfair. no, no. You're uh, going to give a player that is wanting more minutes. A chance against I don't. The I don't team. agree with that. I don't agree with that. So all you're you're essentially telling me that Emerson Rodriguez can only start and make a difference if he's playing a mediocre to poor team. If you play no, a good team, then you can't make a difference. What I'm saying, it's unfair for Phil to judge him. No, it's when not he's unfair. No, it's not unfair. He's, against the no. better team when he has not played enough minutes this season. No, that is I, I disagree with that. No, he's he's come off the bench, and look, I think he's an exciting player on the ball and dribbling. But when it comes to that final pass and that final, that final decision making, just hasn't shown anything. hasn't well, ha- hasn't looked good. Has not looked good. This game against Orlando, once again, got himself into promising spots, and then didn't know what to do with it. And I think that's you know it's part of his growth. He's still young. He's still you know ad- adapting to the style of play in MLS and all that. But look, there was one play where he where he dribbled down the left and he was one on one with a defender, one on one. He gets by him, he's through on goal. He and he could go left, uh, or he could go right, and he did neither. He just went straight forward, and the defender easily took the ball away from him. And it was like, man, that that is gotta be frustrating 
to, to watch. No. That's got to be I'll frustrating to watch. It is. That's confidence. He's playing with no confidence. He has mm -hmm. the talent. That is what I mean. It's not fair for Phil to call him out after only giving him 10 minutes in three games and then starting him against the better team, Philadelphia, and uh, say, no, he's not going to play anymore because he hasn't shown anything and he's going to go to the second team. It's not fair. But as, but as a player, you want to you, you wanna show your talent against the best team. So, I mean, I, I wouldn't agree with that, but I think he's playing with no confidence. Andrea, essentially, essentially, you're saying, Andrea, that he should only play against uh, no, the, that is the, not, the weaker teams. You are taking the wrong thing. I'm saying that it's unfair. Why is it unfair? Why is it, why is it unfair? Because he doesn't give him opportunities constantly to play, to be constant, to start. To, he doesn't get the same possibilities as Indiana Vasilev, and they both have joined the same. You were talking about just 10 minutes ago that Indiana Vasilev is lacking in a lot of aspects. And why does Indiana Vasilev because get, he defends? Get because he puts because he he actually puts why in work rate he get, because well, he does other things on the other end. That's why that's yeah, why he starts. Emerson is a winger. He's not a defender. So that, and that, you that know the modern day the modern day winger has to defend. The modern day winger has to defend. Double standard. Double standard. It's not so a double standard. Andrea, you 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 It's not a double standard it's not you, you make this argument often and it's not a double standard because, because one player contributes defensively the other one does not let, let me let me tell you something but indiana vasilev get, gets the chances he has started or, or no uh, andrea vasilev hold on andrea andrea hold on hold on let's 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 I'm, I'm going to interrupt your thought there i'm going to interrupt your thought there because guess what vasilev had started when he came back didn't make a whole big of an impact or wasn't doing enough, so they, they started dropping him. He went to the bench. Guess when he got back into the lineup? After he scored two goals when he came off the bench against Minnesota United. That's what has helped him propel him back into the starting lineup. Guess what? Yeah, Emerson Rodriguez. Emerson Rodriguez. That Emer he didn't deserve to start. I don't think he should be a, I don't think he's a starting caliber winger on this team. But I see why the sto the coaching staff goes to him because he defends, he puts in the work rate, he runs, he's 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 tireless, etc. etc. When this year, in any substitute appearances, has Emerson Rodriguez done what Indiana Vasilev did and produced? That's it. That, that's what it comes down one to. If game. he produced one game. he's played okay, one and, and, game. and Emerson Rodriguez, when has he produced that one game? When? He's played it twelve matches. He's he has two hundred and sixty minutes. How many minutes? minutes? Two hundred and sixty minutes. He has two, in twelve matches. And he how has many minutes is that? Two hundred two hundred and sixty minutes, and he has two shots total. Two shots. That's it. No goals. No assists. And I think from a from a from a talent standpoint, Emerson Rodriguez is a much more talented player than Indiana Vasilev by they should be by building miles, him by it's miles. Them. It's their player. They spend money on him. They should be building. He has to him produce up. on the field. That's it. He has to produce on the field with five minutes, with ten minutes, with twenty minutes. That's what your job is to produce on the field. And he has not produced. And I think he will get a chance to start at some point this month. The signs right now are not encouraging that he's going to deliver. And I think that that is why. The coaching staff doesn't give him more minutes. They don't trust that he will produce. You can say that they need to give him a start here or against this level opponent there, whatever. You can, you can look at it that way, but he has to produce. That's how he gets more minutes. That's how he gets more playing time. I think, I think this Emerson is a case like Julian Carranza and uh, Lewis Morgan. He will do in another team. I think you both are speaking some truth here. Let me tell you. Um, yes, Emerson, he has the talent. And um, and and Franco is right. I think overall he's more talented than Indiana Vasilev. Um, but Andre Andre is right in the sense that 
you know, he hasn't been getting a lot of opportunities and maybe, you know, given an opportunity to Emerson um, other than 15 minutes, 20 minutes, um, would really help the team if he, if he played with some confidence. I mean, I mean, that's the one thing that he has been lacking. And I think the, the key component here that we're missing and that we're not going to be able to know for sure is what happens in training sessions. Because that's where Phil is supposed to make the decision. That that's the base where where Phil um, finds the 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 elements that help him make the decision on who starts. And so, Jose, other than Jose, Jose. Shows, other other than what he shows in in the games, Jose, we're starting very, to go long. We're starting to go long here. And I, I, I want to get ready to close out this segment. And <clears throat> I don't want to interrupt you, but I, I want to close out this segment. We all three of us here agree that. By talent, talento, talento puro, pure talent, Emerson Rodriguez is better than Indiana Vasilev. Yes or no? All three of us. Yes. Yes. Yes, okay. So there has to be other reasons why Indiana Vasilev starts. And I think, I think, it's for all the reasons I just mentioned. Defensively, he gives you more. Like, listen, when we've seen Emerson Rodriguez come in, it's always with him trying to spark the attack, provide something to the attack. But defensively... It's you know we haven't seen him do a, a, a lot of great work defensively or, or win the ball in, in deep areas and you don't see that from him. So on a defensive minded team or a team so that great. prioritizes defense, then yes, that's why Vasilev's probably getting the starts because they Emerson does not give you enough defensively yet, and that's probably stuff that they're working on with him. And this is the they last thing I'll touch the- on. They do just about the same work. I don't. I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. I think tactically. I think tactically. I think tactically. Indiana Vasilev is a much more polished player than Emerson Rodriguez, who's coming from South America, where the games are more wide open. And tactically, uh, you you don't have the same type of responsibility, especially in like as in MLS. But def- there's, defensively, there's defensively, not real, there's there's not an amount of of minutes that we can really compare. Um, and, and we have to go into the situations that Emerson is coming in and whether he... Okay. I was going to do that. I was going to do that. Look look at his last four substitute appearances for Inter-Miami. His last four. Against Orlando, he played 31 minutes. Against Dallas, he played 50. Against Minnesota, he played 29. And against Atlanta, before that, he played 16. No goals, no assists. That's th- those are decent minutes. Not a whole lot of minutes, but they're decent but against minutes. Against Minnesota, he changed the game. With he Gonzalo did. He Wayne. did not change the game. Yes, that. they he did. did not Franco, the whole team he... changed the game, and we talked about how Minnesota, Minnesota uh, took Minnesota Franco. switched to five at the back. Listen, the, the two shots that he they has on the two shots, the two shots. Gonzalo Iguain and Emerson changed that no, game Minnes- against Minnesota. Andrea, you were here talking two weeks ago yes. about about how yes. how Minnesota how Minnesota changed the game by taking out the Hunter and midfield. Like now, now yes. you're now you're just now you're just making you know, like a different argument. Listen, and two no, shots. I said it. Adrian Heath uh, made a Emerson, mistake. He took he took the two that he took Kevin Rosales. Uh, so it wasn't Rosales Emerson Rodriguez. Out. It wasn't and, Emerson Rodriguez. And okay. Phil brought Emerson Rodriguez and Gonzalo Iguain in. And, and Indiana Vasilev, and Indiana Vasilev's the one that scored, whereas Emerson Rodriguez didn't get a goal or an assist. Listen again. I like Emerson Rodriguez as a player. I think he's got a lot of potential. But he needs to show it on the field, and that's just soccer. That's football. You can call it we fair or unfair. We were talking about that about Lewis Morgan and Julian Carranza, and see them now. Emerson 
will have to leave this team if they don't give him the opportunity. And it's sad to see because that is a player that is them. He's not alone. He is their property. He's an Inter-Miami CF player, so they need to invest on building him and not let him go like they did Lewis Morgan and maybe Julian Carranza now. In 12, so, in 12 appearances, Emerson Rodriguez has two shots all season, and those two shots came against FC Dallas on July 4th. So... Even when he steps on the nope. field, he's not taking shots. He's not setting up teammates. He just he dribbles. It's nice to look at, but there has to be much more to his game. We will leave it there. It's nice and picante, nice and spicy, but we have to leave it there because otherwise we're going to go very, very long, and we're trying to be briefer on this week's pod. So let's leave it there, guys. Let's take a quick break. Let's cool off, have a quick uh, water or Gatorade, and we'll come back for the Q&A session and our final thoughts after this. <laughs> Okay, guys, let's get into the Q&A session now. And we'll start with Fighting Herons. He says, Carranza is a designated player with Philly. If Inter Miami brought him back from loan next season, would he have to occupy a DP slot? Would you want him on the squad next season as competition for Campana? So I will leave it to you guys to answer. Jose or Andrea, whoever wants to take the floor, more than welcome to. Andrea. First of all, Campana, we don't know if he's going to stay next year because he's on loan. He's a player of Wolverhampton from the Premier League, so we don't know if he's going to be But Inter-Miami, Inter-Miami does, the- have a, does have a buy option. They do have a yeah, buy option. So they, they do have a buy option. Uh, but we don't know if the team is going to sell or whatever. Uh, so it's not 100% that he's going to stay. And uh, listen, we were talking about it just uh, a couple of minutes ago. I think Julian Carranza um, may be better staying in Philadelphia. And uh, if he has a buy option, I think he is going to stay in Philadelphia. He's not coming back to Miami. I think Philadelphia will take his his buy option. I think they're going to. Again, I I think that they like what they see from him just in general. Uh, Would I want him on the squad next season's competition for Campana? Look, in, in, an, in a league that's not MLS, sure. Why not? Can't hurt. But in a league like MLS where you have, like like is mentioned in the question, DP slots and only a certain amount of money you can spend, I don't think it, it makes sense to have Campana and Carranza in the same team, both occupying DP spots. I imagine Campana will be brought back. If he is, I imagine it'll be on a DP, DP salary. So, uh, or a DP threshold hit. So... Um, I would take Campana over Carranza for Inter Miami based on what we've seen and what Phil Neville likes from his strikers. Okay, next question, and this one's for you, Jose. It comes from Sarcasio de Año de Musk. I'm going to go out on a limb and suggest we really need to bring in a versatile striker winger and a proven number 10. I have sent these recommendations to both Henderson and Neville and expect expect they will act expeditiously. He sends a second question and says, or a second tweet and says, real questions. Does McVeigh lack pace or positioning? I feel I've seen him exposed over the season. Does Taylor have a best position? What happens with Marsman? Too good to sit, but not to unseat Drake. When do you expect Gene and Pozuelo to play? So, quite a bit of questions there for you, Jose. There's four. Can you remember them all? 
No. Can I answer <laughs> McVeigh question? I let's leave McVeigh for last because we're gonna we're going to debate and argue because we've had this conversation on WhatsApp and in person, and I know and I think we've been had it on the pod at times too. So let's leave that one for last. Jose, does Taylor have a best position? Yes, he is. He's a winger. He can play on the right or on the left, but as a winger, not in the middle. I agree. I think his. I think we all agree here. At least us three. Yeah. His best position is winger and. Uh, it's still a bit perplexing as to why we don't see him there, why why we haven't seen him there more more consistently, at least to us. Okay, what happens to Marsman? Too good to sit to sit, but not to unseat Drake. What do you think, Jose? Uh, he needs to start. Marsman needs to start. Wow, wow. agree. Uh, he needs to start. You know the mistake that um, that leads to the to the own goal. Uh, I doubted that that happens with Marsman on goal. So Me I'll too. put it that way. Yes. Okay. Agreed. I don't think he starts, and I know you've called me Drake Callender's agent, which I, I told you, hey, yeah. give, I'll take and that I, nickname. I, I'll take that nickname. Um, he does not start. That's pointing to Andrew Edlin on a known goal. Yeah. He he does yeah. not. <laughs> he does not. Hey, I was. I'm pointing to the poor management. I'm not blaming it on Yedlin. If he's physically unable to to run, then that's that's not on Yedlin. That's not Yedlin's fault. Now, uh, I think Marsman will be. The number two until or unless Drake Callender makes a mistake. If and when that You're happens. Ready? No, no, no. But like a mistake that's clearly just on him. Because again, you, you split this one between him and, and Damian Lowe. You, you even said it yourself. Like there should be more trust from Damian Lowe. Okay, but so I think if Drake Callender makes a big mistake, a big blunder, that's, that's almost solely on him. I'm not saying I would bench him. But I think then Phil Neville will consider it. I think then Phil Neville will say, all right. Because Phil Neville is very quick to, to pull the plug on, on certain projects and or per, certain certain players at certain times. And I think if you see a big mistake from Drake at some point, then I think Marsman comes back into the fray. Marsman is healthy. He was on the bench for this one. Did not start this one against Orlando City. And he did not start. So I think he's still the number two until we see a mistake, a big, big mistake from Drake Callard. Then I think... Well, I wouldn't agree with it. I think then Phil Neville will will make this switch. Which hey, look, it's a good problem to have. It's a good problem to have. It's on Phil's mind. You think so? You think Marsman could start on Wednesday? Yes, because I think um, at home. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Like, like, like I said, uh, I think um, Phil has to to analyze that he's obviously he was a defender and he played at the highest level, and he knows that maybe Damian Lowe wouldn't wouldn't have gone to the ball if it was Marshman on 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 the goal on on the goal. So um, it's something to 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 think about. Uh, I think Drake is a great. A great, great goalkeeper. He's still a little, as we say in Spanish, he's está verde. He's a little bit green to right. make a, a literal translation. And um, uh, it would be good for him because to fight, to to be fighting for a starting spot on a team would be good for him. So maybe Phil thinks about that, and 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 it's something that we could see Marshman play, if not tomorrow, maybe on Saturday, and and. It'll be good. It'll be good to see him back and and to see that competition. But I, dis- I think yeah, I disagree. Marshman, I think I think one. I think you guys have forgotten. Look, Marsman's great with his feet. He's experienced. Um, I, I like him overall as a goalkeeper and what I've seen from him at Inter Miami. But I think you guys have are are forgetting longer term memory and and the goals that Marsman has 
given up. Porque él sí se ha comido algunas. He's definitely, I don't know how to say that in English. He's eaten some, which doesn't translate literally. He's definitely given up some soft goals that you would expect him to stop. And Drake Callender uh, has been very good with his shot blocking and his and his and his ability to hold on to to shots and crosses. So I think I agree with you that I think maybe it's a thought in Phil Neville's head at this point, but I still think until Drake Callender makes a a clear blunder on his own, then I think it's his he's still the number one. Which by the way, Jose, we argued about that, debated about that uh a while ago and look, when they're both healthy, first game, Drake got the start. So uh, the other one was, when do you expect Gene and Pozuelo to play? Phil Neville provided an update. He said he didn't really want to give a timeline because it's all fluid, because of you know all the all the red tape. But he did drop some games. He said, maybe Corentin Jean before the game against New York City FC, which is next weekend. And he said Pozuelo possibly before FC Cincinnati. So... You know, circle your calendars with a pencil, not a pen. Those are the dates that they could play. I was surprised by that, by the way, because, you know, when we spoke to Phil Neville about the signing of Corentin Jean last week, he was, or Coco, as he's known, he forgot to mention that on last week's pod, just to keep it simpler, Corentin Jean goes by the nickname Coco. Um, you know, when we spoke to Phil Neville about that last week, Phil Neville said that Corentin Jean might be four or five weeks away before he comes back into into the group and said August as a timeline. So I remember because even here on the podcast, we talked about how that seemed like it would be a signing more for next year. But anyway, those are the dates that Phil Neville uh, provided this week. So those are the most up-to-date dates. Does McVay lack pace or positioning? Here we go. I'm not even going to I'm not even going to debate it because I've already made my thoughts clear. And I think, you know, we still have a few things to talk about in our, in our final thoughts, which are all encompassing uh, with regards to Inter-Miami. So I will let you guys answer, starting with Andrea, because I know she's salivating the over there. The problem with McVeigh is that you see all of that from him because he's not playing in his position. He is a center back, not a left back. And that is why you see uh, him out of position and out of pace, out of uh, uh, good marking sometimes, uh, losing against one-on-ones against opponents. That is why you see that. And I've talked about a podcast we had been fighting with Franco about this because I don't think it's fair to judge McVeigh because he's not playing in in his position. It, it is a case like the Robert Taylor case. Franco says that he's been good, but serviceable, um, serviceable, serviceable. But you can see, you can see him, you can see him exposed uh, many times on the games, and it truly it's not his fault. And that is why I I have said is it, it is it is not not. I feel bad talking about it because he's not playing on his position. They they should play another left back. Get another left back. We were arguing this about the the summer signings. The, when I said they should get a left back, a true left back, because it's not fair to Christopher McVeigh to see him exposed like this in in some of some place. And I I think Jose can agree with me with that. That you 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 we have seen him exposed, maybe not. Uh, it's sometimes losing games, uh, play coming from that side, but uh, it's not good for him overall uh, this year, I guess. I, I do Close agree it. with you. Yeah, I, I do agree with you. Um, although I don't think they will bring a left back because um, I was watching Inter Miami CF2 over the weekend and Harvey is playing as a left back, or at least he played that match as a left back. So 
I'm assuming they're just waiting for um, all the paperwork to to um, to be finished in terms of of him being eligible to play with with the first team and not take a, an international roster spot. And when that happens, I'm guessing they will give him an opportunity. And Brickshire is almost out of the picture, and um, Kieran Gibbs. Um, I don't know if he's ready to start. Um, so, um, but yeah, overall, McVay. You know, I think uh, as as you look back into the 2022 season, um, he should be one of the players that um, should get an emphasis on not only the way he performed, but the way he basically sacrificed the season for the team, playing out of position for uh, uh, what is now half of the year. We'll see what happens from now on. But if this continues, he will play a full season out of, out of, out of position. So does he like pace or positioning? You know, I'm taking the bait. I will do it. Uh, yes, he lacks a little bit of both because, like Andres said, it's not his natural position. And he's a center back, so he's not the, most, he's not the fastest player uh, on the team. And yes, because of that, because it's not his strength or it's not his position of strength, he's going to be exposed at times. That said, I think he's been serviceable. I think he's held his own for the most part. He's not been flawless, but I think he's been serviceable, acceptable at that spot. Now, why does he start there? Well, there's been injuries to other players, etc., etc. Different players haven't performed. Phil Neville also clearly is prioritizing the defense with a player like Christopher McVeigh, who doesn't give you much going forward and maybe will give up some things at the back, but defensively can hold his own by and large. Because if that's not the case, then you start a Noah Allen or you start a Kieran Gibbs when he's healthy. And and at times, we still haven't seen that from Inter-Miami this year. Clearly, again, Inter-Miami prioritizes the defensive part first. Phil Neville's prioritizing that. That's why you're still seeing Christopher McVeigh at left back. I think once Gibbs gets back to 100%, then I think maybe we'll see the switch. But, the, you know, clearly it's clear that, that Phil Neville is, is defensive-minded. It's clear. It's I think it's crystal clear. Now, that leads us to our final thoughts. We'll leave it I there. I want to add one more thing to that very quickly because, you know, we have, we have given praise Chris Henderson at times, and deservedly so. But I think McVeigh ends up starting in left back because of bad signings. I mean, Brake Shea, it was pretty evident that, you know, he struggled with injuries. Karen Gibbs, same scenario. Um, and just be with the team right now. And the situation do you, do you, with Do you Noah really Allen, think Kieran Gibbs was a do you think was, really think Kieran Gibbs was a was a Chris Henderson signing? I don't well, think that Right, but I don't think that, that Chris Henderson was like, hmm, let me go to Europe and look for a, an experienced left back. I think that was probably a Phil Neville connection. Chris Henderson's job is just to make it happen, but I don't think that Chris Henderson went in his scouting network and was like, all right, let's go sign Kieran Gibbs. I mean, I could be wrong, but I would expect that to be more a Phil Neville call than a... I would expect Chris Henderson to have uh, the authority to say, maybe not that way. Hey, That's you got to listen. David Beckham's still the owner, brother. So, and, and David Beckham is Phil Neville's guy. So, you know, we could say that Chris Henderson should have the power to do this, that, and this, but, like, that's not... Let's, if we're analyzing it, it's probably not how the dynamics are really at play here. Well, but anyway. When it, comes, when it comes to signing, you have to point out to the person that's going to be responsible for that. I will not blame Chris Henderson for starting five forwards. I will blame <laughs> Phil in the field for that. So, no, no. See, no, no. I, I mean, no. I, would, I, can't, I can't agree with that. Because, but anyway. So we are defending Chris. Oh, yeah. All right. I will defend Chris on that one. But anyway. All right. 
let's uh let's go to the let's go to our final thoughts and i think we all have an inter miami related one because there's an all-star announcement there was a beckham goal and there's some not so favorable attendance figures so i will start with the beckham goal romeo beckham scored his first professional goal or the first professional goal of his fledgling young career he did it over the weekend for inter miami 2 against orlando city b it was the third goal in a come from behind three to one win for inter miami 2 in the second division sunshine Classico that took place on sunday and it was a david beckham-esque free kick that opened romeo's account a curling free kick to the left post i think it kisses the left post before it finds the back of the net so that punctuated inter miami 2's victory it grabbed plenty of headlines and, and got plenty of clicks because romeo beckham scoring uh, a, a goal his first goal in a fashion very similar to that of his father so pretty poetic there you know we'll see how the rest of the season goes for romeo i hope that we get a chance to speak to him soon. I'm, you know, I, I had been meaning to say this a couple of weeks ago because Inter Miami Two does have availability, and the one player that we still haven't been able to speak to for one reason or the other, other, I wonder why that is, is Romeo Beckham. And look, from what we've, you know, the few times we've interacted with him around the training facility, he seems like a super nice, nice, nice teenager, nice kid. Uh, you know, he smiles, he says hello, but for some reason or another. He hasn't been put up for media availability. I wonder whose decision that is. Okay, let's go to Andrea. Final thought. I think yours might be on the All-Star game. I could be wrong, though. Yes, um, my final thought is the announcement that DeAndre Jedlin is going to be part of the All-Star game against Liga MX Stars. He was chosen... uh, (laughs) He was chosen by Adrian Heath, one of my favorite coaches. Note the sarcasm in MLS. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's a good accomplishment for DeAndre Yedlin. Um, hopefully he can keep on building with Inter Miami. It's going to be good. You know the All-Star game, I don't think, for football, soccer, whatever you call it. Um, is that of a good idea? You already had that Leagues Cup, that all, the, all that stuff with Liga MX, and now you add the All-Star game again. Well, that's another topic, but uh, it's good for DeAndre Yedlin. It's good for Inter Miami to have a player. Last year they had Pizarro. Now they have Yedlin. Um, so it's good. It's good for the team. It's good for the team to have this this type of recognition because every everyone is going to be talking about it. And I guess the most noticeable player is Yedlin in this moment because he's on the national team on, and he's a national team player. So and he's getting minutes in the national team, so that's important. So congratulations to DeAndre Yedlin, and let's see how he does against Liga MX well, best players. Well, I congratulate DeAndre Yedlin for his All Star announcement. He's back after a decade away from playing in his most recent MLS All Star game. Do you guys really believe that Adrian Heath picked him, or do you think that was an MLS decision? I fully believe it was like <laughs> MLS being like, Adrian, you gotta call in DeAndre. Don Garber's on line one. Adrian, you got to call DeAndre. We need a U.S. men's national team player in a World Cup year uh, in, in, in there to, to sell tickets, to I draw excitement, generate buzz. Yeah. Too much against the league last week. <laughs> I can get my credential revoked if I keep poking the bear. <laughs> I'm joking, guys. But, yeah, I, I obviously that happened like last year. 
to replace Vela when Vela was injured, why did they call Pizarro? <laughs> right, and, right, right. It's, I mean, I think it's clear that it's yeah. done for marketing purposes. As, marketing. And Yedlin hasn't had a bad year. He hasn't had a bad year. Is he an, all, yeah. is an all-star caliber year? I don't think so. But nonetheless, you know, again, congrats to him. He's back in there. But I imagine MLS had a pretty big uh, influence in his decision. Yeah. And to add one more thing to that, because I'm sure people are wondering why is uh, Leo Campana not on the list. Uh, I'll tell you real quickly what the strikers are on on the MLS roster. Paul Arriola from Dallas. Um, Jesus Ferreira taxi from Dallas. Taxi Fontos from DC United. Um, Chicharito Hernandez from LA Galaxy. Um, Jordan Morris from Seattle. Raul Ruiz from Seattle and um, Carlos Vela as well from LAFC. So, I mean, in terms in terms of marketing, I don't think Campana can compete with any of those. So that's why he's not on the list. But look, for just to add to that, since you wanted to be so thorough here, uh, it's not uncommon that players pull out of the All Star game because of injuries or because of you know they just they don't want to they want to take some rest. They they'd rather take the downtime than then go play in a midweek game. Uh, Rui Diaz is injured right now, so I wouldn't be surprised if Campana makes it onto the team as a reserve when someone pulls out. And Campana, I, I, I think he'll be there. I think he'll be in Minnesota. I think he'll be in Minnesota. Remember that you have also Joseph Martinez to keep happy. So yeah, knows? but it's Ecuador's going to the World Cup this year. There's but buzz, they're trying there's, to there's keep buzz in Campana. Martinez. There's and Campana buzz in Campana. Is Campana. not an MLS player. Remember that. Remember that. It, he's. Andre, if you don't think that Andre, that uh, that Leonardo Campana will be an MLS player this time next year, there's a buy option. Inter Miami, if they want to buy him right now, they could. Yes, Franco, so, but he's not property from uh, of the league right now. You know how MLS is. is that, but this, that, I think that they will fully. I think he'll be there. I think we'll he, when it all is said and done. I think Leonardo Campana will be there. He draws a lot of interest from Ecuador eyeballs internationally. MLS will know what 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 he means to to have him at an All Star game, especially if other players start to pull out. So anyway, Jose, your final thought, I believe, is on attendance. Well, yes, you know the stats came out when it comes to attendance, and unfortunately, they are not very good for for Inter Miami. Um, I think they might be sitting rock bottom on the list. Um, they are averaging 12,562 fans throughout the first uh, nine games. Um, well, you know, I, I think it's disappointing, but not completely unex- unexpected. I'm sorry. I think, um, uh, well, the team not performing well early on, um, not fulfilling that promise on bringing a, a huge star or a star caliber player. Um, those are things that continue to add on to this team and um, and the parking situation, of course. I think that's the one thing that has, um, for many people that I know that I have talked to, that know that I cover the team, um, they they all come to, yes, I went to the stadium when watching the game was nice the the ambience was okay but the parking situation was just terrible i don't want to go back to that i don't want to drive uh, um 30 to 45 minutes to fort lauderdale and and go into the parking situation that it's it's very common now around driving stadium so it's unfortunate um like i said not completely unexpected because 
uh, we have been here for 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 a long time, and and we know exactly how all professional teams, soccer teams, struggle here with attendance. And so, you know, hopefully that changes. For that, I think it all starts on the field. If you, we see good performances and the team continues to win, if they make it to the playoffs and make some noise, and bring star caliber player for next year, then maybe they will change the number. But just for now, it's unfortunate that. Um, um, that what we what we thought could happen before the arrival of Inter Miami is now a reality, and you know the team is just not performing when it comes to the attendance. I, I will say this before we close out the show: it's not a very exciting brand. It's not a very exciting. Excuse me, on the field, it's not a very exciting product. The brand could be exciting. Sorry, product. It's not a very exciting product because yes, Inter Miami is in the fight for the playoffs, but with the way that they play and and there's a lot that goes into it. It's not necessarily the sexiest or the most attractive, right? It's not this free-flowing soccer that, that was promised early on before the, the first iteration of this team came to be with Diego Alonso and Paul McDonough. It's just, it's far from that, far from that. But anyway, we didn't even get into the to the halfway point of the season and the goals and all that that I said we would, so we'll save that for the pod later on in the week, the second pod. We will be back again in a few days to recap the game against the Philadelphia Union and preview the weekend game against Charlotte FC. So we'll try to do that there as well as do the lottery for the other jersey at long last. So for Andrea Ajisita Yanes and Jose Armando, aka Island Jose. I am Franco Penizo. You have been listening to Miami Total Football Radio. We'll talk to you guys again.